0: Welcome to Your Highness Podcast, a show where we get comfortable with the uncomfortable, uncover areas of cannabis where accessibility and inclusiveness are lacking, and elevate conversations about ways to affect real change in this space. your host, Diane Crash, and today I am joined by Jess Jackson of Copperhouse, Detroit.
1: How are you doing today, Jess Jackson? I am blessed and highly favored and can't complain much. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I love to hear that.
0: <laughs> um, so, And thank you for joining me. So we're going to start this episode as we do every episode with our recurring segment, Fave Pot and Fave Not Pot, where each of us will discuss our current Uh, favorite cannabis-related item and our favorite non-cannabis-related item at the moment. So I will start. Uh, My Fave Pot is actually a magazine and it's this issue of Sweet Jean Magazine, issue three, uh, because I wrote three articles that are in it.
1: (laughs) Uh,
0: And one of them is a Passion project of mine about the child care crisis and why the cannabis industry needs to pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also have a child proofing feature where I got to highlight a lot of really awesome brands. And I also wrote about um, what else did I write about? Oh, yeah, cannabis podcasting. (laughs) I also was able to feature other moms who are of moms in the podcasting space who have also been guests on the show. So this issue is really uh, special to me. And I highly recommend you check it out on SweetJane.com or SweetJaneMag.com, sorry. What
1: is your fave pot right now, Jess? Well, I took the question very literally. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, well, I think it's also because I recently had a surgery on my diaphragm and stomach, so I'm on a limited diet. I can't really eat sugar. I also am vegan and gluten-free, and so I've been struggling. My favorite method of consumption is edibles, Um, and I've been struggling to find there's no sugar-free edibles. Like A lot of the edibles on the market have a lot of high sugar, so my favorite consumption right now, because I also can't smoke because I had surgery on my diaphragm is um, Tincture by Mary's Medicinal. Um, and I just have, I haven't really explored sublingual tinctures before. Um, and it's an easy way to get the same sustained um, impact that I look for in um, edibles that I I can get through the tincture and I can add it to tea. I can put it under my tongue. I can um, add it to whatever I'm cooking and that I'm going to eat. And I just appreciate things that uh, can work for different diet types. So any cannabis brand or any cannibal, cannabis consumable that works within different people's diet is kind of my fave pot right now.
0: I love that. And I love Mary's Medicinal, um, if it's the same company I'm thinking of, and they have the patches, the transdermal mm-hmm. patches. Mm-hmm.
1: I love mm-hmm. I've been using that for the pain management too, because you can't, and, and the one-to-one uh, CBD THC patches have been helping me tremendously.
0: I love their one to one line. It's it's great, um, and I I haven't had their tincture in a while because it hasn't been available in, at my local dispensary. But next time it's in, I'm definitely going to get it. Not pot right now. Um, is actually journaling because my therapist kind of got me into it again, <laughs> and. It's um, it's really beneficial. I think it's just like making myself do it is is the issue. But I know it's going to be really good for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's hard when you're already well, at least for me as a writer, I'm I'm always like, why to just write? Why should I just write on my free time for fun? Like anymore, you know? I've gotten to that point now where I'm like, writing for just to write. Why, so I had I've had to disabuse myself of that thought process, and um, mm-hmm. that's what I'm working on right now, so what's your fave not pot?
1: That's dope i I love journaling. I think it's a great way to release and and it's a personal relationship and it's not something you're doing for pay so you it can be messy and ugly um, and that's definitely been a part of my therapy practice as well. Um, my fave not pot. Well, it's Pride Month, so I think any um, moment that we can actually talk about um, the intersection of LGBT activists and the legalization of medical marijuana um, is something that really excites me this month and reminding folks that it was the LGBT advocates in California that were advocating for HIV AIDS patients um, that actually helped legalize marijuana. So that conversation and remembering and honoring our history is something that's really um, Near and dear to my heart, Uh, and then I've been doing for my own spiritual practice um, a lot more praying. Um, I am queer, and so I I, and I also am Christian foundationally. I I think that my my Christianity is more loose than I was raised on, Um, but I spent a lot of time away from the church, and as a result, away from God Um, and because people, you know, are condemning and and don't make me feel welcome and safe in those spaces, but I've been finding my own relationship to God right now and feeling very reminded that I'm here as his vessel. Like everything that I'm doing is divinely guided. I'm definitely blessed and just practicing, even if you aren't spiritual, um, practicing that gratitude, right? Like all prayer is and praise is, is, is just gratitude for where you are in life's journey. And so making sure I incorporate that um, has been a lot, it's it's harder for me to have, be grateful, but when I am praising God, it makes gratitude more easy.
0: I love that. Um, I am as well, I'm struggling with my own journey in that regard. So I, lo- I think that was really timely that you just said that. <laughs> Um, maybe that was the universe saying something. I don't know. But anyway.
1: <laughs> I, I, everything's divinely guided and divinely timed. So uh, I would start, I just started praying daily. Like that was my goal. And that has helped me reconnect. And now I, I go back to church with my grandma and the, their church is very conservative and I don't buy into everything they're saying, but my purpose for being in the space is to hear what God wants me to hear. Um, and that that's what feels right for my soul. And it just, I have a lot of mental health issues. I have a lot of mental illness. And I think that my spirituality is one coping strategy with that. And being reconnected with the spiritual world has been really grounding um, and cathartic.
0: I bet. And it's wonderful that you can do that with your grandmother.
1: hmm hmm
0: So switching gears a bit, accessibility is a topic often discussed on this show. But we haven't discussed accessibility in cannabis marketing for some time.
1: Mm-hmm. You were
0: doing so so much incredible work with creating awareness about what is still missing from marketing campaigns. So, can you talk about
1: hashtag Curvy Cannabis? Absolutely. That's actually one of the first projects I started in cannabis after Copper House, um, and it was. Designed as a space for connection with other women who are larger um, and a space for healing through sharing um, and conversation and cannabis consumption and and also a, a, a photo series to increase the representation of fat and curvy women within cannabis marketing. So we got sponsors that, that then use the, the content in their campaigns and also in their um, social media and and they're like uh, we were featured in Happy Monkey and that's like really exciting, right? Um, and what Curvy Cannabis is is that it challenges it challenges us to liberate ourselves, right? Um, we have a lot of time marketing that centers women is over sexualized anyway, um, and with that over sexualization, we also see a pretty normative standard size figures. Um, And that leaves a lot of folks who consume cannabis out of the marketing. Um, So fat women or plus size women make up about 67% of the population. Most folks are size 14 or larger, but we're only included in about um, 2% of marketing. And so what we're essentially asserting is that we exist and we are your purchasers, we are your customers, we are your consumers, and we should be included in that marketing so that we are also getting paid through that channel. Uh, and one of my my biggest things, like the thing that really excites me about Curvy Cannabis is being able to cast plus-size women in campaigns and get them paid, um, because there's not a lot of opportunity for plus-size models in this industry.
0: Or any industry, unfortunately, right like
1: now. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, my, my thing is I keep seeing so many marketing campaigns geared toward the, the narrative that stoners are successful, right? Mm-hmm. But it's ableist to leave out the, the whole picture of everyone who you deem successful. Because mm-hmm. really, it's fat phobic to even try to align the idea that if you're a bigger person, that you're lazy. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's maybe where the marketing
1: tries to avoid
0: that, you know what I mean?
1: So they're like perpetuating stigmas through um, fat phobia. I think that there's absolutely so many stigmas against um, fat body folks, folks who exist in fat bodies, Uh, whether it be that they're not as productive or they're lazy or they're not as talented. They also don't benefit from as much pretty privileged, right? We're often invisible. Um, we're often not put up as the the speakers and um, elevated. We're less likely to get promotions. We're less likely to get um, pay increases. It's still legal in 49 of the 50 states. Michigan is one of the only states that um, it's illegal to discriminate based off of body size. Um, and so, and we also, it is treated, like it's medicalized, right? Like when folks think about, you um, uh, the, the, the argument is that it's unhealthy, right? When, but there are lots of reasons why people are fat. Some mine, I grew up in poverty. I ate hamburger helper all of the time as a kid and re unlearning those habits of your childhood and learning what is, what I now try to use in terms of language is nutritiously dense food, right? I don't want to say, eat healthy because there's a lot of stigma and a lot of trauma I've gone through in my entire life around that language. But what I'm looking for is like, what are the things that are going to sustain my body, fuel my body? I want nutritiously dense food. And I never learned that growing up because I lived in poverty. And then on top of that, I come from food. Family, Right. Like my mom was diabetic. My dad is diabetic. My dad was diabetic. um, And so it's genetic. And when you grow up and you kind of develop for me, you develop these habits, you develop this this body size. It's not just a switch of the the it's not just a flick of the switch for things to change and for folks to think that every fat person has the time and capacity to essentially to lose the amount of weight that would make us not obese is going to take like all of your time in the gym and all of your time restricting your diet. Um, and so I think that in all of your money and all of your money to do all those things. And some folks don't want to commit their entire life to losing weight. Um, and so they should be able to still exist in their body. Large bodies are beautiful. We should be able to assert that existence. Um, and also there are they're not like not everybody who's in a larger body is unhealthy. Um, I'm mostly vegan and uh, work out three times a week. Um, I eat nutritiously dense food. I just am not willing to commit my entire existence to losing the 150 pounds that the doctor thinks I should lose. Um, And so that is another like misconception around and a fat phobic misconception is that folks that are in fat bodies are just lazy, eating whatever, and not paying attention to their health. Um, And that's just simply untrue.
0: Yeah. I mean, when I have Crohn's disease, so my weight fluctuates wildly and Mm -hmm. I can reflect back to a time where I was majorly malnourished. I mean, I was skin and bones because I wasn't absorbing any nutrients. And all I received, Compliments, and I mean, it prompted me to write a a fairly snarky (laughs) article or essay at the time that said five things not to say to someone with Crohn's disease. But it still never uh, ceases to amaze me how people don't take into consideration all of these things, and they're just so willing to comment on your body. I don't know. It's there's so much to unpack there, but I'm so glad that you started the conversation around curvy cannabis and. The photography is gorgeous. I mean, everything is gorgeous that I've seen from that campaign. Um, and anything that comes from you, you're gorgeous. I love all of, <laughs> your, all of your posts on Instagram, by the way. I, I love them. Anyway.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that.
0: Um, so can you tell audiences, I mean, we just touched on it, but let's talk about it a little bit more. Where do you see cannabis marketing specifically missing the mark?
1: I think so. It's not only representation, right? I think that folks nowadays know, oh, we need to make sure we have people of color represented in our marketing. But there's a example right now, High Times posted about brand like LGBT brands for pride, right? And underneath the, the, the post is so much um, transphobic um, and homophobic uh, commentary from their readers that it just demonstrates that you can use these folks in your marketing to increase your market share and reach this audience, but is your organization actually designed to be inclusive of them? And so I think that organizations don't view inclusion and diversity as a strategic imperative throughout the entire organization. It can't just be, oh, we're going to increase representation in our pictures when you have no one in leadership that reflects that representation, or you have uh, organizational culture that is filled with bias and microaggression on a daily. So when those folks do exist in your organization, they don't feel safe there. So I think that what organization, and and there's no one, I think we have this jargon in cannabis that's um, social equity, social equity, and that's kind of like leading our diversity campaigns. But how can we propose, social equity if you're not ready to have a conversation around how some of your practices are inequitable and inaccessible, right? If your price point is inaccessible to a market that that um, that that is living in poverty, but then you're doing an expungement fair. People who have criminal convictions carry 48,000 barriers, including job access. They don't have money. So you can do expungement for your PR, but they can't buy your products. So those are those are just like things that are in conflict with one another. Um, and I think that we need a whole holistic view of what diversity and inclusion and creating environments that facilitate belonging for folks who have been marginalized uh, really looks like from the top. Down, not just in your marketing campaigns, but throughout your organization, throughout every value stream.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I'm like, yes, in the background here while you're talking. <laughs> um, I try to keep quiet so that you could just finish your answer, but I'm just like, yes, I love everything that you're saying so much. All right. So switching gears again, um, not so much switching gears because everything that you do is rooted in breaking down barriers. Um, can you talk about Copperhouse
1: House and how the creation of it broke down barriers to entry? Oh my gosh. So Copper House, I i, I came into cannabis wanting to create opportunity. I, I'm a former teacher, a former educator, a former college advisor, um, and wanted to, and have always been an advocate for equitable access. Um, and what I was excited about within the cannabis industry is that, you know, the economics of it, right? Like, yes, we finally have a pathway that can generate wealth. Okay, how can I help folks get into this business? How can I help folks start their business? I actually want to be a cannapreneur. I want to do this. But then you look at how much it costs to get a license, how much it costs to build a business in this industry, what the changing regulations look like within your businesses. You could invest in one piece of uh, machinery and that the the regulations change and now it's no longer viable. And that $50,000 piece of machine you have to like resell or get rid of. So it's just a volatile industry to lead and have and to start businesses in. Um, and so I was looking for the easiest way for me to get engaged uh, and 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 be a part of, and and meet who I needed to meet within the industry. And that led me to opening my home. Um, so Cara, who is my wife and I, uh, we got engaged in Europe, um, and we got engaged in Paris, and then we went to Amsterdam, and then we went to London. And on that trip, we stayed in three different short-term rentals. The one in Paris was a apartment that was in a gayborhood, right? So we stayed in a place that felt safe for us as a queer couple. Um, and then the community around it, like, actually aligned to our identity and our experience. In Amsterdam, we went for the, the weed experience, right? So we, we got a houseboat on the canal, we were able to watch the sunrise, it was definitely all about the experience design. And then we stayed in uh, a hostel in London and that was more community. It was a a community ambassador, right? Like there were other people there. We weren't the um, the only guest in the space. And so what we've tried to do at Copper House is create that same sort of experience in one space, right? So we have... Uh, a space that we are a community ambassador. We live here um, at Copper House, and we get to be able to help folks find what's happening in the community. Go to the the, the businesses that are in our neighborhood, so we get that hostile vibe in that way. We are queer owned and intentionally queer um, by just our proximity to the neighborhood in in Detroit, our proximity to some some Detroit. Uh, history surrounding the LGBT community and the fact that the owners and operators of the space are a queer couple. So we get to facilitate that welcoming vibe um, that we got in Paris when we stayed in the neighborhood. And then we also create an experience. We're called Copper House because everything around you is copper. Every room is going to have some copper accents. Um, We have copper bonds, copper lighters, copper ashtrays. Um, And it's centered on that cannabis consumption experience because hotels are not allowing cannabis consumption yet. So what if you're a patient or you're here traveling to experience the recreational market that is a part of Michigan's culture now? So. We created Copper House, one, to remove barriers from ourselves, to enter and play within the industry. I always say I met everyone who I needed to meet in the comfort of my living room. Um, and then two, to make sure that travelers who consume cannabis have a safe and welcoming environment um, for their stay while they're in Detroit and creating that accessibly through price point and, and things like that. Um, so those are the ways that we're creating and breaking down barriers at Copper House. And the, another way is that we ensure all of the vendors and all of the suppliers we work with, um, aside from the cannabis com- industries that sponsor event, because it's hard to only get black owned businesses in cannabis. Um, but we make sure that they're reflective of the community. Right. So we are in. Uh, Northwest Detroit, which has the highest concentration of Black-owned businesses, from the cleaner at our space who comes and cleans the space to the caterers that we work with. Um, We try to make sure every supplier that we work with is uh, reflective of the community, um, which means that we're also generating um, for the local economy. And And we also make recommendations to those businesses on the avenue of fashion. So those are other ways that we we are trying to break down barriers is to generate a local economy in a neighborhood in Detroit that is not gentrified and where um, money is not typically coming to. And then we offer equity hours. So we share our space for free to folks who are interested in getting engaged in the industry um, and are looking for a space to prototype learn. Um, and we offer that free of charge to those equity applicants. We, we have fewer slots available for those equity applicants, but um, uh, once a month, we try to prioritize at least one or two equity events. That is amazing.
0: Can you tell me a little bit more about
1: that? Yep. So we, um, like this month, we have, we sponsored Heavy on the Fields, which is a full um, uh, production, Black woman-led series that's being produced by all black women. Um, and they're doing their first screening and fundraising party out of Copperhouse. house. And we've sponsored the space for them to use that. We also have a curator of um, who had a elevated and melanated tea party and she started her curation out of copper house through a residency program. And so we allowed her to use the space to put on parties and really start to build the audience and following for her events. Um, But we really just folks can reach out to us and ask um, if there is space available for those sponsored um, events. And then uh, we also so we we work with we work with what the community needs. And then some some groups try to make sure because if there is a cost, there's a cost always associated with every booking for us, whether it be the cleaning, whether it be the trash removal, whether it be the setup and labor that's a part of that. Um, so sometimes that also means just discounting um, the the rental for to the the cleaning um, fee and making sure that folks have accessible can access the space on whatever budget they have. That's really awesome.
0: I already heard a lot of really great things from V Castillo, and so I, um, and. She's going to be partnering with our podcast for a monthly travel show. So I'm sure we'll be mentioning Copper House again. Um, So can you tell me about the documentary that you were recently featured in?
1: Yeah. So um, even in Odd Films, was commissioned to produce a documentary called Somewhere Higher um, by Common Citizen, which is a cannabis Um, producer in Michigan, to tell the stories of how cannabis intersects with life, um, from advocates to folks who have been incarcerated to me, who was uh, leading campaigns to include fat bodies. So Curvy Cannabis, that was one of our largest um, campaigns that I was able to get our models paid um, for. And um, we I talked a little bit about my story, so how I'm connected with the war on drugs. Uh, I like to call myself a descendant of the war on drugs. My father was a victim of the 80s crack epidemic. Um, As you know, our government, or maybe you don't, um, but our government kind of funneled crack into communities, into low income black and brown communities across the nation. Um, And we had uh, lots of folks addicted to crack. And I, I didn't have a father in my life because of that context. in. I'm from, he's from Detroit. And, and that is, that is a lot. I grew up kind of blaming him um, for his absence without recognizing that, hey, our government actually supported some of that, and then instead of um, providing resources, the way we see with the opioid crisis right now, they cracked down on it as crime, right? And so that's what led to a reinvigoration of the war on drugs um, and getting folks locked up for um, and uh, uh, locked up for long time mandatory sentencing. So I like to say that my legacy is a part of that. That um, trajectory in our country and they tell a little bit of my story, but there are lots of people's stories featured from uh, mothers who have gotten terminated for cannabis use from their jobs um, to Um, community advocates who are advocating for ordinances and legislation that's more inclusive to businesses, to folks who have been convicted, to folks who have started foundations and and use it for for athletic training. Um, It just centers on the voices of cannabis consumers, advocates, and um, business owners and and amplifies that experience here in Michigan. It's It's available to watch on Vimeo Um, And Vimeo is actually amplifying it right now um, as a part of their, like, these, this is content about weed. (laughs) So you can, you can screen that documentary on Vimeo and it's called Somewhere Higher and it's, it's hosted on Common Citizens page.
0: That's awesome. Um, well, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you today, and I'm so honored that you chose to spend your time with me. Uh, before we end the episode, how can the cannabis community best
1: support you? I think that there are, um, are many ways that the cannabis community can support me, like share Copperhouse, House, book with Copperhouse House when you're coming to Detroit, um, support support the Bud and Breakfast, um, or sponsor our events, so that when Folks, that we don't, we don't. Um, the only way that we're able to have cannabis for our our guests is through sponsorships from licensed retail retailers. Um, Host an event at Copper House, um, and then if you if you feel so inclined, sponsor an equity night so that we are able to pay for the trash removal and cleaning service and labor in order for some of these equity um, partners to be able to use the space for free. Uh, and just share. We have a campaign right now. It's called the Potjama Party. Um, we have a graphic on our page trying to get folks to book their uh, adult slumber parties at Copper House. And I'd love for us to be booked up with those uh, intimate experiences. So, And follow us at CopperHouseDET on Instagram.
0: So it's for like couples or just anybody can have up to
1: 10 guests. So you can have a sleepover with your friends. And we have a bud bar, which includes, we have a Zenco life for, for concentrates. We have a Puffco for concentrates. We have the student glass gravity bong. We have lots of bongs. We have the getting chilled copper bong. We have the Jane West bowls and chillums. Um, There's lots of Lots of consumption tools. We have the Ardent for you to make your own infused oils and and make your own waffles in the morning.
0: I need to talk about this. This is amazing. So they can make their own oil
1: in the morning? Yep. Um, So you can decarb your flour that you get from a dispensary and then put it in some olive oil or put it in some butter um, and you have access to use our Ardent right on site. Um, And then we have a waffle eye, which you can make. We we include waffle... um, batter in your stay and you can make your waffle and and put your butter on and make some infused breakfast in the morning
0: that is so cool I love that like I just think it was you know people can just consume there I think people are going to have to bring their own or that they would have to bring their own but then you have everything that I wouldn't even think about that that is so cool that's why I don't have a bed breakfast
1: (laughs) (laughs) when you're traveling you might not travel with your bong right Um, We also have papers and lighters and grinders and ashtrays, everything that you need to make it easy for you to consume.
0: So what you're saying is people should come visit you in Detroit and stay at the Copper House.
1: Yes. Come visit. Come stay. Let's hang out. I love that.
0: Well, thank you again for joining us and please come back anytime.
1: Thank you for having. Thank you for sharing stories and amplifying stories and congratulations on all your, your write ups that you got featured this month.
0: Thank you. Until next time, stay high and beautiful. Welcome back to the second episode of Where in the World is V, a new ongoing travel segment that features V Castillo, the traveling vegan cannabis writer, and all of her adventures. There will be a lot more to uncover and unpack, pardon the pun, as we go on. So uh, before we go any further, Dom, why don't you tell us a little bit about your part for people who don't know and maybe didn't listen to the first uh, series that we, or first segment in the series that we did.
2: Okay. Peace and love. I am um, a fellow storyteller and traveling cannabis writer alongside Veronica Castillo. Although I can't travel as much, I do get to travel a lot through um, interviews. So my favorite thing to do is read some of the interviews that V has done and to learn from them. Um, what I'll be doing here on this segment is translating some of the stories and the, um, the interviews and the places that Veronica has been into a format here where you can see it with our words, but you can hear it also with our voice.
0: I love that. (laughs) Um, all right. So So talking on that a little bit more, V just recently wrote a tribute to her home state, Florida. Uh, Can you give us a little bit of a snapshot of that masterpiece, which is definitely going to take people some time to read?
2: (laughs) Um, When you're reading V's piece on Florida, what you're going to feel first is the love that she has for her home and her people. Um, everything that that V has been doing, her love has been pervasive. Um, It has been overwhelming in a good way. So what you're going to read about is the beauty of the culture, the people, what they deserve to see in um, cannabis social equity, and what they have been doing anyway. So Black and brown people, LGBTQ community, and um, their accomplishments. V is highlighting them she is celebrating them, and she is letting the world know that Florida has much more to offer than we've ever known.
0: That's amazing. And speaking as someone who lived in Florida for almost eight years, I can attest to that. Florida has layers, and some of those layers are really annoying, and some of them are a little bit oppressive and racist and all of that. But then some of them are also really magical and interesting and... Uh, let me tell you, I, I definitely value that experience so much. And even though it was like some of the roughest times in my life, it was also uh, transformative. And Florida can be really awesome in a lot of ways. So I'm excited to read this piece. When it finally comes out and uh, where can people find it? I forgot to ask that. You're
2: going to be able to find this piece exclusively for the chronic magazine. Um, and I'm, also, I'm pretty sure that it's going to be plastered across all social media platforms where you can find the, including a um, little bit of Instagram if they don't try and, you know, yoke us up again. Um, LinkedIn, if you're on the professional side and would like to check it out. And then, of course, you'll probably see a blurb on Veronica's website about where you can find it. So that's thetravelingvegcanneriter.com.
0: And on your highnesspodcast.org, we'll be featuring um, cross-promoting those pieces as well and uh, amplifying those uh, tributes in some other ways down the line. So stay tuned for that because it's going to be exciting. So, (laughs) um, So just before this segment, we featured Jess Jackson of Copper House. And uh, for those who are unfamiliar, Copper House, to quote V, because V has written about Copper House twice, um, the Copper House is in Detroit, Michigan, and it is rooted in activism and creating a safe space for the LGBTQ community. The Copper House wants conscious cannabis consumers to find their home away from home in this 420 friendly safe space. And really hearing Jess describe it during the interview, it, it just felt like I was there. And also to hear all of the thoughtful things that she put into this, you know, I, I can't wait to go visit someday. Um, do you want to talk about that in any way? I, I know that she wrote about it for Leafly, and I'm going to just give the proper article title here, and I will link to this in the show notes. Um, have some bud with your breakfast. The best four hundred and twenty friendly B and Bs. That's the one for Leafly. And then she interviewed Jess along with two other um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: founders. Uh, oh yeah, Green Goddess Glow. Nice. Um, <laughs> so uh, the title of this one is Celebrating Four Hundred and Twenty with. BIPOC LGBTQ cannabis business owners, and this is for the MJ News Network. And again, I'll link this in the notes and um, definitely check it out. But do you have any experience with the Copper House Dom or is it on your your list of dream places to go? (laughs) I absolutely do have it on my
2: list of dream places to go because I'm a member of both communities that it seeks to help um to I want to say liberate because that's what you're doing when yeah. you're creating space and accessibility that's liberation. So it is on my list. Um the copper trinkets that are throughout the house um, for me, is a spiritual sign. So when I read about those things, I was like, "Ooh, I gotta see it! <laughs> I gotta see!" Um, because of the healing nature of what copper is, and then of course the healing nature of the space. So I can't wait to get to uh, get to Detroit. I think that's a that's a mission of mine.
0: Yeah, I love that it's such a community focused place, you know, and how she plays, she allows like for people to trade things and stuff like that and services. I just love that. I love everything about it.
2: <laughs> Murdering is like a major part of, um, of, by, of the BIPOC community sustainability, especially in this time with the economy being the way that it is um, and pushing a lot of us into dire straits as far as budgeting and working together. Um, so that bartering system is something that it just echoes, um, the way of Kemet, the way of, of ancient, the way of my aunt. And I love how no matter, like I said, no matter what that is pervasive, that love and that energy is pervasive throughout all of these work and those that she's interviewed and experienced. So that's pretty dope.
0: I get shivers. That is beautiful. Yeah, that was just a beautiful way of summarizing that. See, you are such an orator, you know, like you are really a storyteller. And also, it's going to come out in other ways, but we'll hear about that later, right? Um, Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cough right into the. (laughs) So, um, in the upcoming episodes of where in the world is v series you're going to be hearing more about v's collaboration with bud and breakfast as a matter of fact i forgot to uh put it in the show notes but i will put it in the official show notes when it's published um in the upcoming episodes listeners will get more get to hear more about v's collaboration with bud and breakfast we'll be doing a mega episode in august As well as uh, we'll be doing a feature in Canna Curious magazine. I am going to be guest editing the fall issue. And V will be writing a roundup of Bud and Breakfast's uh, Canna-friendly lodging locations. She's only going to be featuring about four of them. I think there's more. But anyway, if you want to see more of what she does with them, you can follow her on social media and follow... Bud and Breakfast, but we will be having the founder, Sean, in an upcoming episode. Um, is there anything that you want to add about Bud and Breakfast,
1: down
2: Only that I feel like it's a match made in heaven. And I know that's so cliche, but I remember V talking about wanting to work with them. And now that she has manifested that, It not only solidifies um, the magic of her mission, but it solidifies the work that she's putting in even more. Like, look at the safe space that's being built and the the empire, because that's basically what this is. It's a community and an empire. So like, I'm just, like I said, I'm in awe. And to know that there's a place to go and to know that I know someone that stepped foot in those places, they're amazing, they're luxury. Um, I'm just excited about the expansion.
0: I am as well. I think that it's so natural, and especially with the travel industry, the cannabis travel industry being such a big deal right now. Um, And she's been doing it way before people were talking about it. So I'm glad that people are finally understanding a little bit more. And now we have even more of a platform to discuss and to celebrate. Um, So before we go... V will be having a table at KushCon, which is in Florida, in Tampa, Florida, um, August 6th and 7th, I believe. Is there anything that you would like to talk about with about uh, KushCon as far as
2: what she's doing there? Okay. So I feel like I am still like a baby with this as far as learning about the magic of some of these events, but it's, I'm to understand it's hemp and wellness. And um, V's mission has been about wellness from the beginning since before she partnered with anybody. So I think it's um, extremely inappropriate. I mean, extremely inappropriate, extremely appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) It's extremely appropriate that she has a booth there. Um, I feel like It's only right at this point. She's been such a a, a force. So to come in there and represent wellness in her own way um, and in the space where she is the queen, (laughs) it's going to be pretty dope. I'm sad I'm not going to be able to go.
0: I do miss going to events on some level, but um, I don't know if I miss going to events in Florida. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, No. So, yeah. So you can find V at KushCon. It's August 6th and 7th in Tampa, Florida, and she'll be doing some on the ground interviews with she has a whole team of amazing women um, that she's working with. And I think some really awesome content is going to come out of that at the very least. And I know that a lot of really cool connections will be made, so if you are in the area, and I know people in Tampa do listen to this show, so please don't take offense when I said that I don't miss going to events in Florida, I was joking. Um, <laughs> i i can't I can't get wild like that anymore. I have a tiny human, and I'm sorry, but Florida, it's always wild when I go to these events. Um, so. <laughs> Or maybe I just get wild. Uh I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Anyway. So if you're in the area, check it out. Go check out V because she has her own table, like I said. And she's working with an awesome team of women. And she will be doing some video interviews. And they will be featured on uh, both of our websites (laughs) and on social media. So please do check that out and where can people find v this month where in the world is v Dom? okay
2: you'll be able to find v in philly physically this coming well at the end of july but more importantly online you'll be able to find her on linkedin because she is once again fought the man she's good so we can find her on there um she's also on instagram right now and let me tell you because i don't want to lie because i had it memorized but then i was like nah i memorized it and they keep taking her down so hold on a second um it's v underscore traveling veg canna writer on instagram she's still veronica castillo on linkedin and she's v Castillo on facebook if you're still into that
0: Yeah, if you're still into that. (laughs) Also, we have a Pinterest now, uh, Your Highness, so please follow that because we have a whole board for the Where in the World is V, and there's going to be a lot of, there will be a lot of additions after this event and her upcoming travels, so um, please follow us on there. And Dom, let's talk about you for a minute. What can... We do to support you. What do you have to promote?
2: Um, well, um, I recently also was um, jailed on social media, so please follow me at Dom underscore the of Mom on Instagram so that you can keep up with the writing and the events that I will be um, that I will be working in. Please also pay a little bit more attention on LinkedIn because I'm learning more about that that process and that, that what's that called the the platform. So, um, I'm learning more about it. So I would love to link with everyone and, you know, get to know folks for in their, in their professional careers. Um, and then I'm working on some pieces, um, a mushroom series or a psychedelic series for the chronic magazine. It's not just about having a good trip. It's also about safety and about, um, learning what works for you and it's rooted in mental health. So wellness is a uh, is something that that means a lot to me as well, especially mental health. So please tap in with me. I'd love to vibe with you.
0: I can't wait to read it because I'm trying to dip my toe back in and safety is so important because it can get really dark and <laughs> scary if you aren't very safe. So Yes, it can. I appreciate that you're are you helping further the education about that and I can't wait to read read it because you're an amazing writer and storyteller thank um, and thank you so much for joining me and for being a part of this and until next time stay high and beautiful thank you bye thanks for listening you can find us on Instagram at your highness podcast or on Twitter at highness podcast Be sure to rate us on iTunes and subscribe.